This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. With you, my name is Brandon, and on the other line, it's my good buddy Josh. Hey, Brandon, how are you? Now, you're telling me you're a little high energy right now because you just uh, had a shot of vitamin C, more or less. <laughs> I did. It's, it's Clementine season, and I am taking advantage of it. There's something about the Clementine where the, pe- the peel or the skin just sort of falls off. Eat- yeah, so you're into a Clementine, and you're out in about 45 seconds. An orange, it's like 20 minutes. It's a huge process. <laughs> So is this what you've been up to this entire international break, just eating fruit, feeling good? <laughs> I'm just getting my vitamin C up. I mean, we're about to hit into the stretch run here of, you know, something like 20 fixtures and, you know, 18 weeks or something like that. So, uh, Don't yeah, I feel like ready. this is the first I, I mean, I'm 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 in agreement with you. It's going to be exhausting, but I feel like it's well deserved because I was going to ask you if you feel like this is the first international break of this FPL season where you just you you're kind of sick of it. I'm always sick. I never want the international breaks. It's 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 too, they're just too long. There was something they break up the season so much. Yeah, it's true. There, but there was something about the Euro Cup qualifying during the last break that sort of made it entertaining. Uh, yeah, and you had a little bit of that this time too. I mean, it was it was it was cool to see Ireland uh, qualify yesterday. Yes, uh, for John sure. John Walters and Siren Clark. Yeah, you put a great tweet out on the always cheating Twitter at Hail Cheaters that uh, it was basically the 2011 2012 <laughs> season all over again. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because whenever I think of that season, I always think about Jonathan Walters having what 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 must be the worst. We will probably talk about this in an earlier podcast, but what has to be the single worst game week a player's ever had, which is that I think he missed he missed two penalties and had an own goal and a yellow card. Yeah. So I think he ended up with like at least a minus four. It could have been even more than that. That's very much like a contestant on Jeopardy that doesn't make it into final Jeopardy because he has negative dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm I know, talking about. I know, it's so about. sad. Like, and they always like, they make them like leave, you know, for the last <laughs> yeah. You can just leave the stage now. Thank you very much. They, don't, they can't even like write hi mom on their thing. 
Uh, speaking of this the, is all good stuff. This is great stuff. Speaking <laughs> of great stuff, during the break, we did have the opportunity to watch the U.S. men's national team play their first World Cup qualifier against St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Yes, the country that sounds the most like a band. Uh, and it was it was shaping up to be a really interesting game because within what like the first three minutes, St. Vincent actually scored a goal. I think on, that was on it for who th- else but Brad Guzan. Yeah, I think once they scored that goal, like that was that was it for they. They knew they couldn't win this match, and uh, U.S. scored six more goals after that. It was, it was kind of a it was a laid back. We, we went to um, we went to this con- this soccer convention in Brooklyn called BlazerCon this weekend. Yeah, hosted and, by uh, uh, the somewhat famous Men in Blazers. They run, I guess, it's probably the biggest soccer podcast here in the states. Yeah, it was. I, I was really. I was a little. I was excited, but I have to say, I was a little wary about the convention going into it. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, they had been talking a lot about. Um, People dressing like full kit wankers, you know, showing up like in the outfit of the team sport. Um, yeah, was very, down from was, the, the shirts of the socks. And there was very little of that. And, I, I you know, I don't know. Um, it was mostly people like us, I have to say. A lot of like kind of dorky 30-something guys wearing blazers and sometimes with a soccer scarf. Yeah, for sure. I thought it was great. It was a fantastic celebration of the sport we love. And so, if, they, if they do BlazerCon next year, we're definitely going. Yeah, and what, was there a highlight for you, a particular moment? Uh, I really out? enjoyed, there was a panel uh, um, where they had producers and some of the personalities from the NBC Sports um, Network mm-hmm. who put together the coverage of the Premier League every Saturday, Sunday, Monday here in the States. Right. And that was cool to get a behind-the-scenes look at um, what is on my television when I'm sitting on the couch every weekend morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's an, it's an incredible thing because as an American, we actually have a better experience. The sport, the sporting experience as an American and for the premier league is it's, it's a better experience than you get for any other sport in America. If you want to, if you want to watch, you know, if you, if you, if you live in New York and you support teams for based mainly in Michigan, as I do, you have to pay some crazy fee to, to get those games, a hundred plus dollars every year. Um, you know, if you want to watch, um, any team that isn't like, you know, during the NFL games, it's just the two matches that are on and that's it. Um, if you want to watch more than that, you either have to legally stream it or go to a bar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but if you want to watch the Premier League, literally every single game is on, uh, you miss absolutely nothing. Um, so it's really fun as a fantasy player because, uh, there's no, there's no moment when you can't, you know, you know, you can't have like one screen on and then a picture in picture and then something in your iPad. You can basically watch every single game from your own home. If right, you want. right, right. Yeah, there were other cool things that happened at BlazerCon. We actually got to see Roberto Martinez from Everton speak about what it's like to manage in the Premier League. And Ralph Kruger, the chairman of Southampton, was awesome. And don't don't downplay in light of that the chairman of Bournemouth. Um, what was his name? Jeff Jeff Motson. Something like that. Something like Jeffrey that. Jeffrey Mostyn. Yeah. He seemed to be there just on a shopping John trip with Mostyn? his wife. Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, it was a great opportunity for us to uh, press the flesh, give out some always cheating buttons that we have uh, put up there on our Twitter and Instagram if you want to check those out. And, oh, uh, speaking of giving things away, I wanted to mention the Tops. Um, trading card company. They were there with a vendor booth at this convention showing off their Tops Kick trading cards. <laughs> and the poster child for all of their signage was Eden Hazard. And 
uh, I kind of felt bad for whoever was the mastermind of that marketing campaign, <laughs> given how uh, crummy uh, Hazard has been. You had to season. think that was the safest bet of all the players. You know, who 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 would be a more uh, more reliable, consistent player than Eden Hazard, given given what he'd shown up up until you know this year? It's true. We will actually touch upon this and then some uh, in just a moment when we talk about our first annual always cheating. FPL Awards third of the season edition about who have been the uh, the highs and lows of our FPL teams. Yeah, should we get right into it? I suppose so. Um, we have to welcome anybody who's newly listening to the podcast. If you discovered Always Cheating through this poll, we had a great response after we posted it to our site at alwayscheating.com. And yeah, Josh, and- you just kind of came up with these questions you know, you're off the dome. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it's funny. I was mostly just looking at the um, at the the risers and five. You know, I basically just spent some time with with the FPL on the FPL site, looking at different stats and seeing who who had who had risen, who had fallen, and you know, based on my own kind of crummy experiences here too, it kind of informed some of the some of the snarkier answers here. Um, so yeah, we so put, it, it's we a, put it, it up in a few different places. I, I do want to say. Um, Thank you to a lot of people on Reddit because we posted in the FPL Reddit forum and a lot of people were very uh, kind and um, seemed to um, go to the website and check it out. So that was very cool, too. Awesome. Yeah, we're, we're happy to have you listening. I hope you enjoy it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to run through the results of this poll before we get to our optimizer for Game Week 13. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about the fixtures that are coming up as the Premier League returns this weekend. Um, but how should we do this, Josh? You just want me to... To read the uh, the ballot nominees for each of these categories, now we can talk about what the results were. Yeah, that sounds good. All right, so our first annual Always Cheating FPL Awards third of the season edition. The first category is Just, F. You know, I, I didn't feel like waiting until the midway point. You know, and the midway point always comes in like late December when you've got like you know four fixtures in eleven days, and so you know, it, like it's like the next thing you know, and all of a sudden you're at like the twenty, you know. Fifth week or whatever. Hey, so. God knows if we'll still be podcasting then anyway. <laughs> so let's strike while the iron is hot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I mean, the international break, as, as it was, this gave us something to do. Right, right. So here we are, the FPL MVP at the third season of the market. You, you started with the big million-dollar question here, Josh. So our nominees are uh, Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez, Alexander Kolarov, Odian Igalo, and Mesut Ozil. All right, and so, so did you have any predictions going into this? This this was kind of the easiest one to predict, I will say. Uh, so the winner uh, with fifty four point five percent of the vote was Jamie Vardy. Woo. Uh, no, no real surprise there. Uh, scoring nine weeks in a row was probably going to be enough to to win the award. FPL managers love consistency. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, close behind uh, with thirty nine point nine percent of the vote was uh, Riyad Mahrez. So uh, we had about. I'd say we had just under 300 and, I don't know, about 60 respondees to the to the poll, would you say? And, yeah, uh, yeah so 195 votes went to Jamie Vardy and 143 went to uh, Mares. I think it basically comes down to which Leicester player did you get in early yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and siphon the most points off of. Yeah. Uh, I personally voted for Jamie Vardy, um, you know, because I like to have an open ballot. And mm-hmm. I'm happy to share these my, my thoughts and opinions with you. You God. believe in an open ballot. Mm-hmm. I do, totally. Um, as I jokingly said, FPL managers love consistency. And good God, I do more than anything. And I, I, this guy's on such a streak. How can you not make him your MVP? 
I mean, I, can, I mean, I know how you can't because you're, yeah, you're resisting. Well, I too agree in an FPL Gladnost approach, and uh, I will go with uh, I went with Riyad Mahrez for my vote. Uh, mostly, I guess, selfishly because uh, he's done more for me than Jimmy Vardy has, and I'm still bitter at Vardy for doing so well all year. Even though, even though I, I basically like him, uh, you know, I mean, I, how can you not like Vardy and Mahrez? What a what a weird combination! Like how those two have combined to to keep Leicester in third place through twelve weeks of the season. I mean, Leicester like actually could. I mean, I guess they. Why not? It, it, why, yeah, not why, Josh? why not them? Right. I mean, they, they've lasted about as long as any of these teams have. You know, I mean, I know that Southampton was uh, right up there in those Champions League spots in the first 15, 20 weeks of last season, but yeah. uh, they never really had enough offense, I don't think. Um, so if, if Leicester can hang tough and then maybe bring in. I don't know, maybe one more, like a second striker, a back, you know, some like a backup attacker or something like that. Or um, somebody, you know, in January. Defense. Maybe someone who could, yeah, actually, that's true. The defense may end up being like cost them, sort of the reverse of what Southampton had last it's year. They're having a Liverpool season in that regard. The Suarez Sturge sort of mentality of we will yeah. let in the goals, but we'll still outscore you. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the results are they're they're greater than the sum of their parts. But even from a fantasy perspective, it's been it's been pretty awesome. Uh, really, but it's really just been those two. Uh, I guess uh, Mark Albrighton to a smaller extent. As and well. spe- speaking of the fifty four point five percent of the vote that Jamie Vardy got, going back to uh, this BlazerCon convention, mm-hmm. it's a testament to what how good the football is that Vardy is playing. That we saw a couple like little kids at this convention wearing Jamie Vardy jerseys. Uh-huh. Now, as we know, Vardy didn't cover him himself in glory this summer with a few uh, racist remarks and whatnot, but everyone right. seems to have forgiven him for this. Yeah, I know. I don't not, know. Not that, not, a, not that it's our place to forgive or not forgive. I don't mean to make it like that, but... Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think I'd want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Namarez, I, I feel like that guy, he seems kind of cool, doesn't he? I have he seems, no idea. He seems smart. How do you know? Have you heard him interviewed? Yeah, well, I haven't heard him interview, but I, I I have an audio book. He read um, uh, he read actually the entire Remembrance of Things Past, uh, the Proust. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, it, it's he's got a kind of a second career. He he was worried, I think, early on that he wouldn't be able to make it as a uh, um, you know as a footballer, and so he um, but he's got this wonderful voice, as I'm sure you know. Uh, Sonorous, I have heard that. I think yeah. you'd say. Uh, so yeah, he does uh, he does a lot of Proust. Um, he does he does a little Goethe, and uh, he does a lot of Tolstoy. That's incredible. Yeah, so the, yeah. The so dulc- he, the, would you describe his voice as sort of dulcet? Uh, no, I wouldn't. More of, actually. More of a baritone it's, or more of a soprano? Maybe it's, it's actually it's, it's extremely high. It's um it's it's window shatteringly high, but somehow it works. You know, <laughs> somehow it works. There you go. So to our to our listeners out there, keep an eye out for the next audiobook coming from Riyad Mahrez. All right. Yeah. So how how did these other guys in the poll do? I um, yeah, I think uh, so. Less than. Less than five percent total uh, goes to uh, Mesut Ozil picked up fourteen points. Uh, Odian Gallo only picked up five points, which actually seems like Odian Gallo's underrated season continues. I will say. I mean, you know, I know that it, it's not like no one's talking about him, but we really aren't giving him quite enough credit. I think for for how phenomenal he's been this yeah, year. Yeah, I'd say even people who have him as their third striker would still consider him basically third chair to yeah. second and first. I mean, if if Jamie Vardy just did not was not playing in the Premier League this year, we would all have a Gallo. Yes, I mean he's absolutely filling that spot. Yes, agreed. 
Um, and then Alexander Kolarov picked up one vote. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that he was given this one vote just so we could hold a quorum. Is that yeah. right? No, well, some, someone did. Someone gave him a proper vote. So um, fair enough to them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy the guy started the season with a real shot. It, it, it just yeah, sort of I mean, evaporated through, when he was injured. Yeah, through the first, I guess, like, Seven or eight weeks of the season, um, he he. If we had had like a sixth of the season poll, I think he would have cleaned up. All right, so there it is. Your MVP at the third of the season, Jamie Vardy with a bullet. All right, and uh, Mara's close behind. Our second category is best new player. It wasn't a bit of it wasn't a huge surprise here for best new player, but I'll just I'll just list the candidates and then you can walk us through the results, Josh. Okay. So we had Kevin De Bruyne, Dimitri Payet, Andre Ayew. Again, Odio Igalo, he's like running for every uh, every open seat here in the poll. And then Johan Kaboy. Kaboy. <laughs> My boy, Johan Kaboy. Johan, your boy. And then Johan Kabai 2.0, as you listen, because he is not your Newcastle, Johan Kabai. Yeah, it didn't occur to me until later that Kevin De Bruyne should have also been Kevin De Bruyne 2.0. It's uh, true. We, everyone forgets that he was, on, yeah, he was on that Chelsea team. Um, so who won? So, uh, the winner by a, a, a runaway winner by almost 70% more than the rest of the vote was Dimitri Payet, uh, who, uh, finished with 284 votes, uh, more than two, 250 more than the next closest player, uh, which was, uh, Kevin De Bruyne, um, who just edged out Odie and Gallo by one vote. So, um, yeah, those two I- had about 8% of the vote each. You can't really be surprised here. I mean, I I feel like De Bruyne was positioned to to maybe be the best new player, but the last month he's just been delivering an assist here, an assist there, few goals, and then you compare that to Payet, who again is ultra consistent and is the leader of that West Ham team. Yeah, De Bruyne just seems to be a a role player, right? It's now. another example of the way the international break can just utterly stop a team's momentum, or, or I guess help it help it pick up momentum. Um, you know, De Bruyne going into the last international break was on an incredible run. I think he had double figure returns in three out of four games, and you know the match before, you know, the game with Gate was the famous Aguero five goal match, but De Bruyne had sixteen points in that match himself, and, and I know there are a lot of people who. Um, who actually uh, captained De Bruyne that week? And um, I mean, he, he looked shinned, like a, he shinned a uh, he shinned a goal in. I remember, yeah. That. And uh, but he scored a great goal too, if I recall. I think his, his second goal was fantastic. Yeah, off his shin. Yeah, I oh, was that. Well, oh, that's right. But you know, <laughs> yeah, I think there was, a, was this, there was a question whether that was a shot or a pass, right? Yeah, I'm uh, not sure he meant it, but I think yeah. people would argue with me. It looked awesome, uh, but then coming out of the break, I think he only had he had something maybe like two assists in the last four games, um, and I think basically all four of those games outside of the Manchester uh, derby uh, were huge fixtures. I mean, the kind of fixtures that um, I mean, you captained him for at least one of those, and I did. Yeah, you certainly could have captained him uh, away to Aston Villa. Yeah, I think the last couple of weeks where he was a top captaincy choice, people had just lost faith with him enough. So, uh, yeah, and then way way below uh, De Bruyne and Gallo was Andre Ayew, who picked up uh, just eight votes. Yeah, uh, another guy who started like a house on fire and then petered mm-hmm. out along with the rest of the Swansea team. But I feel bad. I, I like Ayew as a player. I hope that he finds uh, a, a bit more form as the season goes on. And he maybe, did. and we'll get to this question later on, maybe if they have a new manager there at Swansea, it could help. 
Yeah, and he he played the full 90 for Ghana today. Um, you just never know. Maybe international break. Sometimes it, it, it shakes teams up a little bit, gets them out of their, you know, the the funk that they're in. So um, I think, like most fans, uh, at least at least fans in America, I don't know um, how Swansea is perceived uh, in the UK or elsewhere. Uh, I I really I always pull for Swansea. They're like they're kind of my second club. You know, they're the one that. Uh, um, that I often find myself rooting for, basically against anyone that's not Arsenal. Yeah, everyone seems nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Joe Shelby, he has no he's, hair. He's, he has no hair. <laughs> he has, uh, yeah. He has alopecia, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, okay. And then, um, of course, we have a quorum here with Johan Kabai. Mm-hmm. With one, one vote. One, one, poor, poor, poor Johan. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm, I haven't uh, looked at this poll fully just yet i'm curious to see if any of these got zero votes uh i can answer that for you right now and i will say no that no one has that's great everybody gets a vote so everyone goes home at least knowing that somebody out there values them <laughs> okay so yeah, your best new Kabai was Kabai was late actually he was he was a zero until something like the 337th vote came in <laughs> and somebody it was it was like uh, clicking on an ad on your smartphone you didn't mean to but you accidentally <laughs> yeah, exactly. clicked it so just, i just want to see the results suddenly you're on some retail page <laughs> <laughs> there you go okay so your best new player of the 2015-2016 season is dimitri payet 79.3 percent of the votes josh why don't you take sure. us through the next category here all right the next category is most improbable fpl moment so uh this is um it was a little, you know, it was a little kind of a complicated one. But basically, you know, those, in, in the first 12 weeks of the season, we've actually seen a lot of very interesting moments, a lot of things that we've never seen in the five years we've been, we've been, you know, playing in the Fantasy League. Um, uh, you and I, that is. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll run through all five of them very quickly. Uh, first one is Sergio Aguero versus Newcastle. Famous Game Week 8 performance, five goals, 25 points. Uh, having trouble remembering that one, but please go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll send you a clip afterwards. Uh, the Somebody next recorded one, that? The next one is uh, Odin Agallo contributing to every Watford goal from game week one to game week 11. Staggering. Could kind have been of. a little better if he had if he contributed the goal in game week 12. It kind of threw this one off a little bit. Uh, but one through Made 11. a little less game. improbable. Mm-hmm. Uh, third option is the complete collapse of Chelsea's fantasy assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, famously, as we all know, and possibly lead to the uh, the ruin of Jose Mourinho. We have or talked about jo- it. Or, or Jose Mourinho, depending on how you want to say it. Uh, then we have Jamie Vardy scoring in nine consecutive matches. Improbable. And, improbable. And Mesut, p- perhaps most improbable, Mesut Ozil finally becoming a reliable FPL asset. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I think maybe I voted for the Mesut Ozil one. I can't remember. It was either that or the uh, Chelsea assets. Yeah, um, I can't. I can't remember who you voted for either. Had I voted for the Chelsea assets, I would have been part of the winning constituency here. So, with fifty-three point four percent of the votes, the complete collapse of the Chelsea fantasy assets voted as your most improbable FPL moment thus far this season. Which <clears throat> I was I, a little surprised by that. To be, I, I was. I, I could have seen that answer winning. But to win by that staggering of a number was a little surprising to me. It had well, almost I, I, double, I th- double the, the second most selected. I think the key word here is improbable. So if you look at Chelsea's performance last FPL season versus this season, and if you told me last season we'd be looking at this, I would say that's improbable. 
<laughs> it's very improbable. Now, if you told me Sergio Aguero was going to score five goals at home against Newcastle, I would say eh, probable. I'd believe it. I mean, the Jamie Vardy one is rather, Jamie Vardy uh, scoring in nine consecutive matches finished second. That that picked up twenty four point nine percent of the vote to fifty three percent for the uh, the Chelsea answer. Uh, that one. You know, if you if it was if you know this were two years ago and the it was you know Robin Van Persie scoring nine consecutive matches, I could see that not being quite as dramatic. Or um, you know, even Sergio Aguero scoring nine consecutive matches. But for a guy like Jamie Vardy to be setting fan, you know you know records in the Premier League is is pretty extraordinary. I mean, I know I know he was on a bit of a hot streak at the end of last season, but yeah. you know, like people are not. It's not entirely a joke. This idea that. You know, Real Madrid is looking at him now as a, as a backup striker option in, in January if they need one. You know, uh, I mean, he, you know, maybe maybe Where'd Jamie Vardy. I, I read that somewhere. You know, one of those one of those garbage transfer pages, I'm sure. Is that? Uh, but Rose's hey, I mean, Kareem, Kareem, Kareem Benzema would be going to jail soon. They may need a backup striker. Uh, coming third with 13.7 percent of the vote was Sergio Aguero versus Newcastle. Uh, an amazing moment, a moment that that many of us will uh, will cherish, uh, <laughs> yeah. the, especially because I think it may be the only time this season when one of my captains has actually delivered points for me. Yeah, yeah. Excruciating if you didn't captain Aguero in this game. Absolutely. It was either your best. It was, it was either the best moment or the worst moment of the season for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally people. agree. I think to make this moment improbable, the Aguero five goals, you have to point out that a majority of the goals came in the span of what, like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I think four of them, four of them came, uh, after halftime and before maybe the 60th minute, six, no, no, it was after the 60th minute, but it was maybe the 65th minute. It was pretty early on in the game when he got subbed. Yeah, so the stretch of time makes it kind of improbable, but, um, we've, we've seen this sort of point output from Aguero before, and yeah. that's what, for me, takes it uh, solidly out of the running. Yeah, I, I suppose I suppose that is true. Now, talk talk about Mesut Ozil finally becoming a reliable FPL. Yeah, asset. that one finished fifth with only eight votes. Uh, Ozil with uh, yep, so only only eight people were were really blown away. And I, I guess part of that might just be that um, in lieu of the other options, it was not the. Uh, it's still it's still pretty improbable to me. It is uh, improbable. But- <laughs> it's a little, little bit of a strange one, and I think it might be a testament to how kind of uninteresting Ozil has been over the last year. Like yeah. everyone kind of thought he was good and going to be good. We invested in him, then he turned out to not be performing, so we deinvested. And deinvested, uninvested. Well, people always we say got rid. the the line you know last year when he didn't have a particularly good season from a fantasy point of view uh, was that you know he he does things that don't show up on the on the score sheet. Mm-hmm. You know that he uh, that you know his passing is so precise and he's you know he's in control of the offense and he's just all a good things. buddy in the locker room. He, uh, <laughs> a good he, presence in the locker he room. He brings farm fresh eggs from home. Yeah, exactly. He's all about you know yeah he's a winner. Or whatever, um, but you <laughs> I love know, how but, you equate farm fresh eggs with being a winner. That's good. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, didn't didn't score a lot of goals or have a ton of assists last year, and he had a, a reputation, deserved or not, for not showing up in big games. Uh, so I think that uh, I mean, you were one of the few. You had him on week one, if I'm not mistaken. I did have him on week one, and he was. I've mentioned this before on the pod, and that he was my Arsenal differential more or less because everyone was big upping Arsenal at the start of the season and I knew everyone was going to have a lot of Arsenal assets 
And there Ozil was. Despite him kind of being a bust last year, the potential is there. He's a world-class soccer player, yeah. a World Cup winner. And he, he, I was just lucky that he came good. And now I've been making money hand over fist with him in my squad. Yeah. So what is his price up to now? It's like 8.8. 8.9. Like 8.9. You bought him at 8.0? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. Wait, no, 8.5. No, uh, well, I, I bought okay, him at well, 8.5. Well, but still. the thing with him is he actually dipped in value, I think. And now it's sort of like uh, Graziano Pella style. He mm-hmm. had to dip. He had to hit rock bottom before he could go up. Yeah, he put his hand up on your hip. Then when he dipped, <laughs> you dipped, we dipped. <laughs> so let's see. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see if Ozil can keep this up. But you feel like he, he definitely will. He looks integral to the offense right now. I yep I I totally agree. Uh, I I may still end up bringing him in. It kind of depends on what we find out about Aguero. We'll get to that when we when we start talking about the game week thirteen preview. Uh, what I voted for finished uh, fourth out of fifth, with only twenty one votes. That was Odie Nagalo contributing every Watford goal from game week one to game week eleven. And I just think for any team to have to have gone through the first eleven weeks of the season where every every single goal they scored was either scored or assisted by one player is. Pretty extraordinary. I mean, I guess if this were, um, you know, Italy in 1992 or something, when uh, you know every game was one nothing, that would be one thing. But I mean, uh, you know, many of these Watford games, I know they've had a couple zero uh, zero games thrown in there too. So it's just it's not a, like it's not like they're winning every game five nothing, and he has you know 35 goals this season. But if they're scoring, Odin Agala has contributed to it. I will argue that he's maybe the luckiest player in the Premier League this season. I mean, how many yeah. times, how many goals has he scored in a goalkeeper mistake or a defender mistake this year? It seems like he scored like four or five goals. And granted, part of that is a good player knows, you know, a good striker is able to poach. And, you make your own you know, luck. Yeah, you make your own luck. Uh, but that being said, he's been lucky. Yeah, I don't disagree. I... I'm still finding it difficult to be interested in Agallo, though this poll is certainly making a compelling case. He keeps popping up in every category. Yeah, it's true. All right, so uh, next category, biggest disappointment. This is one of the closest races. Okay, so the nominees here are Eden Hazard, um, Jordan, is that how you say it? Jordan Shakiri. It's it's pronounced Jordan. Jordan Shakiri. Yeah. <laughs> Air Jordan himself. George Shakiri. Uh, why I've I've never been asked to say that man's first name before. Here I am. Live I think on I say air. I think I say the X like a Z, probably incorrectly. Like <laughs> Zerdin Shakiri. And then uh, uh Zer- Zerdin Shakiri, by the way, was the one who came down and and battled Superman in Superman 2. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> slipped out of that pane of glass that was just floating in space. And yeah, it's yeah. That's incredible. And uh, also on the list here, Memphis Depay, Aaron Ramsey. Uh, how did Aaron Ramsey make it in here? Um, and, <laughs> I don't know. I think he needed a fifth option. <laughs> you just pulled it out of your hat? Is well, it because- he has been very disappointing this year. I think he's only scored one goal in 12 weeks. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. And then and then the last option is literally every These, these are fantasy options after all, remember. Yeah. No. I mean, it's not like we called up Aaron Ramsey's loved ones and said, like, <laughs> can you confirm that he's just not around the house very much, not helping helping out with the chores. Right, sleeping around. Yeah. Yeah, just being a general doofus. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. So I think I voted here for literally every player on Chelsea. Um, yeah. So it was it was neck and neck right up until the end, and just at the very end there was a little there was a, a late surge, and literally every player in Chelsea defeated Eden Hazard. For <laughs> the team biggest, will always conquer the individual. Biggest disappointment on the season. So uh, little every player in Chelsea picked up forty three point nine percent of the vote. 
Uh, Eden Hazard picked up 41.3%. So all told, 85% of the people who voted in this poll voted for someone on Chelsea, (laughs) whether that was the entire team or just Eden Hazard. It's remarkable. This is, of course, a theme. Chelsea have been uh, dog shit, big disappointment. Everyone is aware of that. Your voices have been heard. Yeah, and the Eden Hazard thing, I think the I feel like the people who selected him tended to be people who, who had him and people like me who had him on their team for way too long. You know, he had that, you know, he had that 10-pointer against Arsenal in game week whatever it was, 7 or something. And, you know, he had two assists two weeks in a row and it was I mean you you were just being teased along, just, like you were just getting enough, you know, like just yeah. enough to 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 hold on to him. And um and it's not like, yeah, I mean, in the end, he has a goal and three assists on the season, at least from a, I know the goal has been, uh, has been dis, whatever it's called, um, disallowed or dis, um, The dubious you know. goals committee it's, got yeah, together been, and uh, they, they, get, they, they get together for drinks uh, once a month and they decided <laughs> that it was too dubious. <laughs> too dubious. <laughs> I like a, a picture of a man banging a gavel and saying, too dubious, too dubious. So a goal and three assists, which which is obviously not good, but given that he's eleven point five, given how you kind of had to build your team around him, and given how much his value has dropped, holding and on to him given how as many of us the have, tops kicks cards have built their entire marketing campaign around him. Yes, exactly as established. So you can see why um, why Eden Hazard would actually be right up there, neck and neck with literally every player in Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. But then you sympathize. Uh, the reason I would vote for the literally every player side is because with a team like Chelsea, you think, okay, Hazard, he was last season's MVP. If he's not performing, then somebody else on that Chelsea team. Mm-hmm. Must be picking up the slack, and everyone's been burned by picking up other Chelsea's here and there. I mean, um, Ivanovic or even Aspilicueta, though you had some returns from him. So, uh, were, were you? Um, how many players on Chelsea did you have on your team to start the season? I only had Eden Hazard. Actually, I had nine. So for me, it's been it's been very tough. Oh, you played your nine nine <laughs> Chelsea players chip that I, I, early in the season. I, yeah, I played my 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 um, all out Chelsea chip. Yeah, my septuple uh, captain chip. Uh, no, I had I think I had three or maybe maybe I just had two. I guess I had Azard and um, and Aspilicueta. I mean, Aspilicueta at the beginning of the season seemed like an incredible value. You know, six point a six million defender on Chelsea was going to start sure. every week, and Bo- uh, I bonus, guess he bonus points assists. Despite not getting clean sheets, yep, exactly. Uh, so now they're about to go on this this run. Um, and actually, this is a Twitter question someone asked. We'll get to this in a few minutes. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard for me to bring Hazard back in. I mean, I would need to see. <laughs> it would just you have it, to be it would, you have to be really be hunting for a differential because there's just too yeah. too many other things out I there to like put on your plate. It it would be like I'd have to be like pretty stone cold. <clears throat> To, to bring in his art at this point, like, like I would Mark, have to really like Mark Johnson, Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> yeah, I would have to like check my motion at the door in order to bring his art back in. All right, here, here's my question for you: If we strip Chelsea out of this question, we're left with Jordan Shakiri, Memphis Depay, Aaron Ramsey. Who are you going to vote for? Um, otherwise, I yeah. it's got to be Depay. And yeah, it's forty yeah, one sure. of you agreed. Yep. So that was almost almost twelve percent. So he, he got a, a pretty large chunk of that vote too, and I'm sure that's like a mix of Man United fans and people who uh, were tempted by. I think he started at eight million, or it's either eight or eight point five in the season. It's just a, it's a disappointment to the game in general because, well, first of all, United are about as unsexy as a team can get right now, yeah. and Depay in the summer was the player that was promising to bring that sex appeal. 
yep. to their offense, and he's been uh, totally invisible. Yeah, he really has. So he's 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 at eight. He's he was at eight point five to start the season. He's actually all the way down to eight million now, which um, is a testament to how yeah. many people brought him in at the start of the season, right? How many uh, how many minutes do you think he's played in the last four weeks total? <laughs> Good question. I will say thirty two. Zero. What? He has not played for four weeks in a row. What? I know. What is, what is he doing? I know. So huge disappointment. <laughs> he's in the squad, uh, though, right? Yeah, he he is in the as as far as I know. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just. I don't know if um, how much of that's form and how much of that's personality. I mean, I, I know that he has a yeah, oh yeah, yeah, like Depay's reputation of being a party boy and he's wearing funny hats around town, that sort of thing. Yeah, but like, has he actually done anything that's bad at all? I have like, no idea. All right, so those are those are our biggest disappointments. Chelsea yep. is uh, top of the list, and uh, the next category here. Why don't you take us through us? Take us through. Okay. Us. At, when game week 25 rolls around, we're at the two-third mark of the season, who is going to be the overall points leader? And the selections are, the options are, Sergio Aguero, Jamie Vardy, Romelu Lukaku, Alexis Sanchez, or, and this one I'm excited about, Other. <laughs> other. <laughs> That's such a cop-out, Josh. You could have well, put, could... put Aaron Ramsey there. I was trying to restrict it to uh, well. See that one, you just had to pick one. I mean, you could have other for all of these. Yeah. Like biggest disappointment, you just throw other on there, dude. Uh, this, this category is the best category because it is so evenly dispersed. Uh, it's really exciting yeah. to see the diversity of opinion. It is. It is. It's I'm real genuinely multi- excited. Listen, I, I, maybe it, maybe yeah, I'm you, wonky, but I like polls. All right, let, let's let's see it. Uh, you, why don't you why don't you uh, give off the uh, the winners? Okay, so. Actually, let's let's take it from the bottom. So, uh, the farthest down the down the poll was other with fifty two votes. Now that's just but one, still fourteen point five percent though, which is a huge margin, and that's a big piece of the pie. We're looking at the pie chart right now, and I'm being deeply honest with you about that. So, with fourteen point eight percent of that pie is Romelu Lukaku. So he's in fourth place. Moving up. Um, Upward, I'm actually surprised. Alexis Sanchez in third place here, and he has got um, how big is his slice of the buy? Eighteen point four percent. Now Sanchez is explosive, explosive yeah. player. Um, and you know how many more hat tricks does he have in him? I mean, you you can't tell. Right, maybe a lot. <laughs> maybe a little. Maybe a little. Uh, but people seem to be banking on Jamie Vardy keeping his consistency going, and he is second only to Sergio Aguero. So if you look at the pieces of pie, pieces of the pie from Aguero versus Vardy, Vardy has 24.6% of the vote, and Sergio Aguero 27.7% of the vote. And I, and I will say, Brennan, as I was as I was telling the votes, uh, it was actually even closer than it, than it looks now. Uh, Jamie Vardy and Sergio Aguero were within one vote of each other. It was kind of going back and forth for a good no. hundred votes. You, you, you can imagine, there, like, you can imagine my excitement the, uh, as I was telling these. <laughs> yeah, Aguero had his people out there just just littering the internet with flyers. Like, oh, for me! <laughs> uh, and it really, it's really a testament to. Uh, well, it's a testament to the five-goal game and to the fact that he is Sergio Aguero that in the face of him being injured for God knows how long, uh, maybe he's back this weekend. Maybe he'll be back in six weeks. Who knows? Yeah, I think we were talking about this like every week we have to discuss the Aguero question of how to get him back in your team and how everyone is basically turning their teams upside down for a guy who, if you take those 
five yeah. goals against Newcastle away has done largely nothing. Has has not scored in ten of the twelve game weeks so far this season. Yeah, granted, some of those are through injury, but still, <laughs> I mean, injuries are part of what you get with him. So you know, you can't discount it. Yeah, and in the face of all that, I still can't argue with these numbers. I, <laughs> I think I voted for Aguero myself. Uh, I voted for Jamie Vardy. And, oh, you did. Okay. Uh, yeah, again, consistency is king, mm-hmm. and if if that Leicester City, whether they win or not, continues to fire offensively, he's going to keep getting those goals. That's true. I like that. Consist- Should we just start calling Jamie Vardy consistency is king? Absolutely. <laughs> Jamie right. Vardy having a consistency party. <laughs> All right. So Sergio Aguero, yep, edges out consistency is king uh, with Alexis in third and Rami Lukaku in fourth. I, you know, I could have added uh, Riyad Mahrez as well. I thought um, – um, I wanted. I just wanted some different options. Uh, yeah. But Mares, I think, is another um, underdog candidate for uh, for being the overall points leader, just because uh, he's just so sneaky effective at uh, scoring goals. I mean, it doesn't seem like uh, it. Just it's so easy for him to score goals. Yeah. You know? So I mean, so Mares, on the basically got fifty two votes. I'm guessing, like other is replaced by Raheed Mares. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm wondering who else who else you could even put in there. Um, you know, I guess you could look at maybe a defender, like, you know, someone like Chris Smalling even might be able to, to, to you know, get in there. Yeah, or uh, George R. Russell Martin, maybe. Yep, <laughs> George, a couple more goals from Martin. Absolutely. He had the hot hand for a while there. He did. Uh, <laughs> right, he, was the, he was the hot stepper, as they say. <laughs> All right, we've got three more categories here, so let's get through these. Um, the next category is player most likely to become a top fantasy asset. Uh, right. So looking looking ahead to the next two-thirds of the rest of the season, we've got Eden Hazard, Jordan Henderson, assuming he uh, gets his foot together. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be. He's supposed to be coming back soon. So what, what is the actual prognosis there? A couple of weeks? A couple of it's months? Like a, it's like Aguero. I mean, you just keep hearing that they're getting close, that it's it's almost they're almost ready, and, yeah. and then Friday comes around, and they're not quite ready yet. So then we've got Diego Costa, Memphis Depay, and... Matt Ritchie, giving some love to, to the Cherry fans out there. Mm-hmm. So who wins this category? Who wins this race? A uh, bit of a it – was, it, was, it, it was kind of close for a while, but the, in the end, Eden Hazard was the runaway winner. He picked up 38.2% of the vote, 134 votes total. So um, – Oh, there's a race car. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm podcasting this for my motorcycle. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just a testament to how people can't let Chelsea go just yet, despite the results of our earlier question. And maybe uh, they shouldn't. I mean, their their fixtures coming up are are fantastic. Yeah, the the law of averages generally does not lie to you, to you specifically, Josh. <laughs> uh, to me, it has lied numerous times. Uh, uh, but I, I do find this hard to argue with. Yeah. Hard, the, like, uh, like you were having that own um, internal debate on the podcast just a few minutes ago about bringing Hazard back into your squad. I think I some think, people might do it. Uh, second behind Hazard is Jordan Henderson. Uh, picked up 84 votes. Uh, he had 23.9% of the vote. Um, another, uh, you know, I, I guess Hazard and Henderson are both kind of reputation picks. You know, we both, uh, you know, expect them to um, to come good. I mean, uh, yeah, with Henderson... It made more – well, who knows now? I mean, you know, it, it made more sense um, at the beginning of the season when we knew how we fit into a Brendan Rodgers, you know, attack, um, you know, especially with with um, 
with uh, Stephen Gerrard gone. Uh, now with with um, with Klopp, I'm not quite as sure. I mean, I, I still feel pretty confident that he'll be, you know, on some set pieces. I mean, it's not like that team is, uh, you know, is is totally set on offense. I think the, they would, the, lo- they would the love to have him. Still Henderson needs a little bit of magic. I agree. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, he he could score a lot of points when he finally comes when he, you know finally comes back. And I, I you know they, I think there's always a chance he could come back this weekend. So. Um, yeah, we shall see. If 53 of you out there, and I want you to all show yourselves, voted for Diego Costa. Who are you people? <laughs> and what are you on? Yeah, I know. I mean, outside of that Aston Villa game, we just have not seen it from Costa this year. No, that guy is a uh, hot, sweaty uh, uh, garbage. You really device. hate Diego Costa, don't you? <laughs> he flies in the face of everything that's beautiful in sports. <laughs> I think as a Midwesterner, you have a particularly hard I do. time. With he, he definitely offends the... He's so rude. Yeah, he, he is so rude. <laughs> and with Thanksgiving on the horizon for us here in the States, he is probably <laughs> top FBL asset who I would not like at my Thanksgiving dinner table. I don't know. You know what? What did um? That should have been a question on this poll, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, then tied for fourth uh, were uh, Memphis Depay with forty votes and Matt Ritchie with forty votes. I felt better about the Depay thing until I realized that he hadn't actually played the last four weeks. It it is a bad omen. I definitely agree with you. And Ritchie, Ritchie plays. For a he plays. Um, B, he's integral to that Bournemouth defense, even or that Bournemouth offense, even though they cannot score, which is, I guess, the main problem. Yeah, I will. Uh, I think the argument in favor of Richie here uh, is that he may not score as many total points as Eden Hazard or even Diego Costa, uh, but given his price and given that you can you can field him as a fifth midfielder, he could end up actually becoming a top fantasy asset just because of how he slots into your team. Agreed. I mean, you know, because Eden Hazard may score a lot of points to become a top fantasy asset, but uh, you're laying out 11 million for him still, or 10.9. Um, so you need him to do even better. You know, in order to, I mean, you know, it's just the the law of the law of prices or something. <laughs> that is the law. Look it up. <laughs> All right, next category: underrated fantasy asset. Parenthetically, you state less than 10 percent uh, ownership. Yeah, less than 10% ownership through game week 12. So um, that may have been un- unnecessary, but I just wanted to pick players who, yeah, I, I wanted to define underrated somehow. Yeah, fair enough. So these are just players who um, have the potential to to really perform well over the next, let's say, 10 to 15 game weeks or even throughout the rest of the season um, who uh, aren't owned by a lot of people. And uh, the runaway winner here, well, okay, sorry, let's, let's run through the answers. Yeah, right. before you get to the winner, who who was up for contention? We got Scott yeah. Dan with Crystal Palace, yep. Aruna Kone at Everton, Dusan Tadic, uh, Aurelio Gomez, and, and Georgin, Georginio Wijnaldum. The Weege. <laughs> the Weege. So uh, the runaway winner, and I have to say, I, I thought he might win, but I did not think it'd be by quite this degree, uh, is uh, Dusan Tadic, who picked up 44.9% of the vote, 159 votes total, uh, almost 100 more than any other any other uh, answer. It is pretty incredible. I definitely voted for Dusan Tadic because I think just based on the conversations that we've had, and I... Um, I feel like you have a little bit of that personal bias with Dusan Tadic. It's not even a – no, I, I, I like Tadic. Um, I like the way he plays. I just – I don't like to have players on my team who who don't always start. Yeah. I think he's been in the front of my mind because everyone's been investing in Sadio Mane recently. Mm-hmm. And I just don't like Mane as 
an FPL player right now. He's well, he's not been delivering very consistently. Again, yeah. consistency is key. And Tadic, I feel like is is just as viable as Mane right now, and he's cheaper. Yeah, he's only seven million. Uh, four goals, three assists on the season. He's on penalties when he when he plays. Um, you know, so he's he actually he started eleven out of twelve games this yeah, year. Yeah, I think uh, his pitch time has been a lot more consistent than it was last season. You know, there are yeah. lots of questions about what's his relationship like with the manager, but it looks like he is in favor for the moment. For the moment, right? Uh, so you know, he's still. I mean, he still only has one goal in his last five games, and that was a penalty uh, to assist. But you know, at that price, I mean, as a as a you know, people are still you know casting about for an alternative to Payet. I think mm-hmm. that um, Tadic makes a lot of sense there if you don't want to go the if you're looking for more of a differential option. Yeah. Um, or like I know, like you're looking to get rid of Ayu. Um, is is yes. Tadic a possible option there? Well, um, me no, because what I need in my midfield now, particularly if I'm looking at Aguero strategies, is I need to downgrade my fifth midfielder, which would be either Mares or Ayu, to a benchable midfielder. And are you, are you really thinking about getting rid of Mares? That seems like a no, no, gamble, I'm not. So but, basically, yeah, I use yeah. <clears throat> I use the guy, and I looked. At, I need to get somebody who's under five million. Gotcha. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so in second place for underrated fantasy asset, Herelio Gomez for Watford. He had sixty six votes. That's eighteen point six percent of the vote. So a lot of Watford fans out there. Gomez has got a lot of clean sheets under his belt this season. And yeah. he's only recently reverted to Spurs form. I wanted a Watford player in there. Didn't quite have the stomach to put Tradini in this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I probably should have. Right, because uh, he was a colossal FPL fail for you when he was on your squad. Yeah, for the first uh, nine weeks of the season. Uh, but two goals and three for Dini. So I think in general the Watford assets are a little underrated. Um, not just not just Gomez and, and, and Dini and even Agallo, really. I mean, Agallo's ownership is... Uh, is still not that high. I think he is, uh, let's see here. Agallo's ownership is, it's 18%. I mean, that's still not, that's, it's not extraordinary. I mean, it's just still a huge differential. Well, it, it's a great squad to invest in because there haven't been any wild swings with Watford. Yeah. And you, Agallo. You're not going to you know, get any big surprises. Dini sets you back 5.1. Agallo sets you back 5.5. Um, but the defend the defenders in particular. I mean, Yam has had an excellent season, and uh, he's still only at four point six million. Uh, the fixtures coming up for Watford. So they they play Man United next week. Uh, but then they have a run of uh, Aston Villa, Norwich, Sunderland. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So either you bring him in right now, get him in, wait because they have they have a stretch from week seventeen to twenty one. Uh, that's pretty awful. They play. Uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs, Man City, and Southampton. Um, so you can't kinda, like that. You can't like that. And those are all around the Christmas fixtures too. So yeah. uh, you might see a little rotation there. So maybe maybe hold off on on your Watford players until you get to week twenty two or twenty three. Yeah. So uh, just just behind Gomez is the wage Wijnaldum with sixteen point one percent, and I think he's still hanging in the hearts and minds of people with that four goal game against Norwich. Yeah, he's, and he looks dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he, he, I don't think he's well. He has he had an assist, in, uh, you know, in the uh, he had he had the assist on the on the one goal in the Bournemouth game. Um, yeah, to Perez, to who I who I like to shout down. Have you have you come around a little bit on Wijnaldum? I, I like one. I like I like the way he plays. I don't dislike him. I just dislike that Newcastle team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I 
I guess if you're hunting for a differential, if you catch Newcastle on the right week, then that's great. Um, but I'm too cautious. Yeah, I mean their next. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, fair enough. I mean, I. I it, it does seem a little risky to have a, any Newcastle player. You just yeah. don't. You just don't totally know what you're going to get. Yeah, and both, uh, of, both of these other guys hovering around ten uh, percent. Aruna Kone with actual actually eleven percent of the vote, thirty nine votes, and Scott Dan. No love for Scott Dan. He comes in last with thirty three votes. Yeah, I thought I felt a little bad for old Scott Dan. He's had a he's had a really a great season. I I threw him in there because I, I felt bad for him. Hey, I, think. I tell you what, Scott Dan got himself on that ballot. He got enough signatures to get into the race. <laughs> he was a write-in candidate. Yeah, we'll see him uh, next time. I'm sure. Yeah, two goals, one assist for Dan already. He's priced at five point two million, uh, and I know no one really wants to pay that much for a for a Crystal Palace defender. But uh, you know, three clean sheets on the season. He's picked up nine bonus points. Um, has some had some huge returns. He already has two double figure game weeks. Um, so you know, very very underrated fantasy asset. He's only owned by five point five point two percent of the people in the league. Yeah. All right. The last category on our third of the season always cheating poll: the next manager to be sacked. We're ending on a macabre note here. <laughs> Uh, so this one was actually very close for a while. Uh, I think I actually even texted you on Sunday as I was putting these together. Yeah, you said it was very tight. Uh, Gary Monk, uh, okay, so I'll run through the list. Uh, Gary Monk, Jose Mourinho, or Jose Mourinho. Uh, st- do you say Jose or Jose? I think the pundits would call him Jose, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're in the States and Let's we, call him Jose. we read it as Jose. How yeah, you, you know. I like that. It's, it's, like, it's like Roberto Martinez, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jose, <laughs> Jose Mourinho, Steve McLaren, Eddie Howe, and Alex Neal. And in the end, the runaway winner was Jose Mourinho with uh, 39% of the votes, uh, 136 votes total. Um, had 50 more than, uh, than the second place person who was uh, Gary Monk, who uh, picked up 85 votes and 24.4% of the total. I'm predicting, I, I'm predicting that Gary Monk is going to go first. If Jose Mourinho was out, he'd be out by now. I think it's McLaren all the way. I think McLaren's yeah. the next one to go. I, I also think that there's a. I, I haven't even really seen this rumor, but I just have this feeling that David Moyes is going to end up as the next Newcastle manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could see now that he's a free agent. That's I a could match see made him. in boring heaven. <laughs> it, really, it really is. I mean, what a perfect fit, though, right? Can't you just see Moyes taking over that squad and being there for like nine years? Yeah, you know, I just like thick and thin. They would never get relegated. What a world uh, it would be. What a world it would be. I kind of like those Moyes Everton teams. And they're, I think they're, they're, to myself, what a wonderful <laughs> world. Uh, so, so yeah, Gary Monk finished uh, finished second. Uh, Steve McLaren third with 81 votes. I mean, that votes. Swansea team is in a total nosedive. And Gary Monk, I, he's got to be over his head. Well, we'll we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think the Gary Monk has built up a lot of goodwill. He does uh, have a he, as a former player. He has a real legacy there, and I guess that certainly. And then you look at a guy like Steve McLaren, like you're saying, he yeah. has no legacy. He has it's no reputation just, with the club. But it's not just the legacy. I mean, it's it's everything he did last year. I mean, he took he was worse than this current team, and they finished in eighth place, um, the highest finish they ever had in the Premier League. Um, or maybe it was even six. It was, it was, I think it was eighth. Um, but it was, you know, the top of the table, uh, with a, with a very weak squad. Um, I mean, it, you know, I mean, they lost Boney at the, you know, at the midway point. Um, and so really he's just had a run of four or five bad games. And I mean, obviously if they come out of the break and they lose the next four games, he's going to get sacked. But, um, I think they're going to give him at least 
at least another four or five weeks yeah. uh, to, to make it work. And I could definitely see some of these guys getting fired before then. Yeah. Uh, it was it was heartening to see Eddie Howe uh, only with uh, something like 3% of the vote. That's wishful uh, only thinking, Only 15 people. Because he's such a likable guy. Club legend. I mean, who are they? I actually don't think he'll get fired this year. I think they could finish with 20 points and he's well, still winning. And, and uh, seeing the Bournemouth chairman speak over the weekend, as we mentioned, he had nothing but glowing things to say about Eddie Howe and how and how and how how was the only guy for the job and if they put in if 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 tony pulis moved over to bournemouth this week and started coaching them starting in game week 13 do you think that bournemouth stays up this year uh i guess the, the question for them is their their squad has just been decimated and i don't know that there's anything any manager could do that's that's kind of what I'm driving at. I, I I don't think so either. Um, why would you fire Eddie Howe? <laughs> I mean, the, the, he's got the support of his players. Um, you know, his club legend uh, yeah. brought them up. You know, through their multiple divisions. Um, you know, young, talented man. Everyone thinks he's a good man. You know, right? He's got great reputation. Um, terrible injuries. They looked they looked okay before the injuries. Uh, so I I actually think Eddie Howe's going to last all year. I hope so. Uh, uh, what do you? What about Alex Neal though at Norwich? Yeah, I just that's a, I, that's a weird one. I don't spend yeah. a lot of time thinking about Alex Neal to be he's honest. He's an interesting guy too. He's he's very he's actually younger than Eddie Howe. I think he's like only like thirty three years old. Um, and I actually I threw him on there just because I wanted a fifth person. Uh, I actually think Alex. You could put a, Aaron Ramsey up there. Alex, ne- yeah, I should have put Aaron Ramsey in there. Uh, Alex Neal had a pretty good season actually, uh, but you could just see things going. Bad, fast, right? And oh, yeah. and if, you know, and he hasn't built up that much goodwill with the squad. So you know, you could see Norwich losing, you know, half dozen games in a row, and suddenly uh, you're you you know you bring in whoever you right. know you bring in uh, whatever you name the name the recently fired manager. You know, insert him in that squad. So this is a lot of data to ingest and to digest. So we're actually going to put this up on our blog at alwayscheating.com. But we have to thank you again. Everybody out there who's listening, who voted, it was a lot of fun. I mean, even though Josh had to stay up until all the wee hours of the morning, just tabulating these results. How, I finally, that? I finally came up with a hack, but I'll, I'll tell you about that off. off Ooh, yeah, let's take that offline. <laughs> so uh, I guess we'll try this again, maybe two thirds of the way way through the season. Yeah. Do you want to run through a couple of the uh, best moments and worst moments, Brandon? Oh yeah, we actually I forgot about these these write in answers that we had. Um, yeah, so um, we had two other write-in categories, your best and worst moments of the FPL season so far, and who, what player in your FPL squad have you had for the shortest period of time? All right, so let's just run, we'll just run through it. Maybe we'll post more of these on the website. So we, we hey, can I, can I start with them. my votes? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so the guy who was in my squad for the shortest period of time, which was one game week, and I'm not, I'm not counting any guys who were in my squad for a couple hours during a wild card. Uh-huh. Um, Jefferson Montero, I brought him in after the opening Chelsea game when Swansea absolutely gave a master class down the wing mm-hmm. against Ivanovich. And uh, Montero looked absolutely garbage uh, the very next game, and I brought him out. Yep. And uh, my best moment has to be when Pele scored his goal after getting two assists against Chelsea. That was the moment, as I mentioned on this pod, where I think I scared every man, woman, and child in the building in which I live. I screamed <laughs> so loud. It was great. Was that when your wife yelled at you? Was that the moment? 
She never yells at me. We have, we have a wonderful marriage. <laughs> My worst moment was definitely uh, a lot of managers had the same worst moment, leaving Mares on the bench when he scored that brace in game week 11. Yeah. If, there, if, there was a, if there was an overall theme to, I'd say, something like two-thirds of the respondees for the best moment, worst moment, it was the best moment was, it was often the same moment. The best moment was either... Captain Aguero uh, during his the massive game week eight, mm-hmm. or not Captain Aguero during his game week eight, um, and then I'd say the runner up was uh, not was benching Mares in game week eleven, which uh, seems like a lot of people did. A surprisingly <laughs> large number of people benched Mares in game week eleven. Uh, I guess you know there, there was that you know he'd come off that run of not starting every you know he'd, he'd bench one week and had come in the second half of the next week. But he had looked so good when he came on in that Southampton game that uh, I felt very confident starting him that week. Um, but I certainly understand why a lot of people uh, didn't. Well, who needs especially because cap- a lot of people have those five man midfields right now. Absolutely. But who needs your worst moment involving Aguero when you're Matt R. You actually uh, triple captain Sanchez the week before his hat trick. <laughs> so it was a little too early to that party. Um, and that has to be gutting to watch that play out. Yeah, you, we have, yeah. So it seems like most of the triple captains that that I have seen are people who uh, had triple captain go wrong. Um, I don't think anybody actually responded. Like about, the guy who's actually in our hail cheaters uh, league, where his team name is Triple Captain Hazard Week One. <laughs> yeah, I think in in most cases it seems like the, the triple captain. I'm like, I'm stressed out to use my triple captain. I'm you know. Maybe maybe I just won't use it this year. I'll save it for next year. Can you can it carry over? Can I have two triple captains next yeah, it's year? Like, it's like vacation. It. It's like vacation days. I roll over totally. <laughs> yeah, for the first three months of the year, I can use it. Um, yeah, it seems like it has not gone too well so far. Um, that's there's why a, I think an, having the using the, saving the triple captain for the double game week seems like the way to go, if only to minimize my stress. Um, but the pressure I would feel if a trip to captain a player in a game, because you just never know, right? I mean, even the even a, a Lionel Messi goes, uh, you know, several games without scoring in any given season. Uh, another worst moment, which I found to be a bit odd, um, somebody named Mitt R says Birahino's decline, which I guess that could be a worse moment if you're like Birahino's biggest fan and you're watching this play out over a few months. Uh, maybe he's uh, maybe he's a big West Brom fan. He could be. He mm-hmm. could be. Um, anyway, that one jumped out at me. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, shortest player on my team, Danny L, said, uh, uh, had Colacini for a week. Turns out he's a wank. <laughs> oh, wait. He just said wank. Well, whatever. He's a wank. Um, Sam C, getting getting on the Barahino uh, bandwagon, says, uh, shortest player in his squad. Barahino took a punt, regretted it in the next game week. Yeah, he also has a uh, one of his his answer for the best worst was uh, starting the season with three Chelsea players and keeping them way longer than I should have, uh, which is something that uh, it's a theme that you see in these answers, but also something that that strikes home on a on a personal level. Uh, just keeping those Chelsea players, I, I, I was struck at, by the way as we as we went through this by how much drama we really had in the first twelve weeks of the season. I mean, I, like we are not like we are barely at the at the third of the way mark. We have 26 weeks to go, and it feels like so much has happened already. Uh, Anonymous wrote um, that his worst or her worst moment was uh, taking Wijnaldum out after a series of uninspiring displays, only for him to bang in a hat trick against Norwich that game week. <laughs> a hat trick uh, plus one. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was a uh, it was a, a a quad trick, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, with the, the the commonly known quad trick. 
See, and that one, I, I could feel that one really stinging, you know, because when you have a, because Wijnaldum at that point was a bit of a differential and getting four goals from a differential, would it be like, I, I've never had that happen to me, but it, it must be an incredible moment, right? I mean, you probably, you probably take a week off your job after something like that <laughs> yeah, happens. Absolutely. See, I'm going to Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't imagine how excited I'd be. I mean, the only, I guess the only thing would be better than that would be to captain or triple captain a, uh, and by the way, shouldn't it just be double captain? Because you know, there's no there's no double captain, right? You, you well, I guess if you triple, triple captain, yeah. you get triple the points. Well, that's true. You're you're getting too too math minded here. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> there should be a double captain though, too, where it's one point five points or something. Yeah, yeah. Other other players kept in the shortest time. You had Jordan Henderson. A lot of these guys are due to injury. Jordan Henderson, yeah. Ross Barkley. Um, oh, somebody like says Duff. Shame. <laughs> I like uh, John B. Uh, it was just a, a sweet moment. He said uh, he said best were uh, Kane's goals against Bournemouth. He says, uh, sounds silly, but I had him from the start and kept faith in him. I proved a massive differential in my mini league, uh, which I'm now set in first place thanks to the wins of the Hurricane. <laughs> uh, I just like that. I like the little, um, you know, go go long. That's the key to get in a podcast. Right, way too, right, way too many words. Uh, but I, I, I agree. Uh, there's nothing better than keeping the. This, this is actually what I, what I would hoped would happen with Eden Hazard. One of those I stay with him so long is I just, I kept banking on these, on these returns to come. It was like, you know, having stock in, a, you know, in an old legacy company or something. You know, you, you just keep waiting for the, the wins to to come back around, and uh, it really has happened with Kane. I mean, um, he's he's starting to he's starting suddenly having this terrific season uh, after being a huge disappointment for you know weeks and weeks. Yeah, uh, and a lot. I I had Kane the first three weeks. A lot of people did. Yeah, um, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, in fact, a lot of I, I would say uh, next to Hazard, the player who who appears the most on the. Um, on the shortest time in your squad is uh, was Hurricane, yeah, or Cotois uh, uh, a lot too. Making one appearance, I couldn't have predicted it, but Adnan Yenizai actually appears as somebody's um, player they held for the shortest amount of time. So good on you, Yenizai. You're still relevant here in the FPL. Anonymous, another anonymous has a, an answer. Two answers, both after my own heart. Uh, first one, shortest player in your team was Dave Aspilicueta. Comma Chelsea dumpster fire, mm-hmm. and best moment was every Friday before a game week begins. Such optimism and joy. Worst moment Saturday morning of every game week. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good note to end our yeah, third of the season. Yeah. All right, uh, so we'll post some more of those on, on the website. Um, but that's awesome. Thanks, guys, for participating. Um, that was a lot of fun. We'll definitely be doing it, doing it again, won't we, Josh? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Shall we uh, get into? Let's quickly run through a couple of uh, Twitter questions before we get to the game week thirteen. Yeah, preview. yeah. So, what did we get uh, at our Twitter feed, which you can find at at Hail Cheaters? Uh, all right. So the first one is from. Um, let's start. Let's start from the bottom here. Uh, so Dave from Burnley asks. Uh, question: Chelsea's next five opponents have conceded 102 goals this season. Uh, in this case, are fixtures better than form? Uh, this is something that we've talked about a lot uh, when we were running through the answers. And as I was just talking about a minute ago with uh, with legacy companies and, and stock, I mean, their fixtures are fantastic. And this is really it for them. I mean, this this it's after a international break. Uh, you know, it's a time it's a time to reset. Um, you can you you can you can put the past away. 
Yes, Can't you, that's true. You can. And yeah. I would have I wish I Chelsea would step back from that ledge, Brandon. <laughs> you got to cut that from the podcast. No, that's going to go. I'm going <laughs> to cut it and put it right up front. <laughs> you should uh, just put it in every like six minutes or so. I would applaud anybody who brought in some Chelsea players after this international break because it could be a good punt. But for me, I'm going to have to see something before I'm ready to invest. Yeah, I think so too. The the problem is they're they're so expensive. Um, yeah, that is the big problem. And I think we talked about this a lot in the last episode about how form is definitely before fixtures in this yeah. particular season. If you had to pick one player to to bring in, uh, I mean, I guess it probably would be Eden Hazard. Um, no one has the money though, and it's a terrible time to bring in Hazard if you're trying to bring in money for Aguero. What about just bringing uh, so in a, def- a defender? For a defender Chelsea? would probably make the most sense. I mean, Aspilicueta in particular makes the most sense, right? He's going to start every game week. Yeah, they're the, they're uh, the, the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if Jose Mourinho has any tactic that will work uh, over time, it will be a defensive tactic, right? Yeah, I don't think any of the midfielders or forwards are, are worth bringing in right now. I mean, Diego Costa has the same price issue that that Hazard has. I guess you know one interesting thing you could do, you know, if we find out that Sergio Aguero is is not quite ready to come back for two weeks, you could bring in, you know, and, and you're worried about Wilfred Boney starting or something like that, or you just don't want to have Boney in your team anymore, which I understand because uh, I have him on my team and I want to get rid of him. Um, you could bring in a guy like Costa for two or three weeks, and then you've already got a lot of money tied up in that in that forward spot, so it's a little easier to bring in um, Aguero from there, right? You only got to find $2 million as opposed to kind of, you know, having a $7 million striker and trying to, you know, keep in the back of your head this idea that you've got to generate $6 million at some point. Yeah, it's true. And, I mean, you, you wouldn't be surprised if Hazard or Costa actually put together two or three great game weeks. So, right. I guess at our at our own risk, we, we follow form over future. Yeah, I don't plan to bring in any of those three. Um, although Ospilicueta is kind of tempting, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I just don't trust that defense right now. There, there, there are too many new... It doesn't seem like it's all clicking. You know, something... You know, Zuma is, isn't is fitting with that team right now. I don't know. It, it, it's it's inexplicable that that defense is so bad this year after looking so phenomenal last year, right? I mean, they had they had by far the best defense in the league last year. Yeah. All right, the, the next question is from visiting supporter at the away corner, and he asks, are England internationals historically overvalued in FPL, thinking Delhi Ali's price is about to go up? Now, um, we do have the benefit of hindsight here. Um, Delhi Ali did just score and uh, have a second assist today against right. France. Yeah. And I think it's nuts to call him overvalued. He's, what, 4.8, 4.9? Yeah, so, yeah, I think four point eight maybe. Uh, so even if he jumps up to five million, uh, he's still, still. I mean, we've talked about Deli Alley in earlier podcasts. So yeah, I think he, that, uh, he is a strong contender for your fifth midfielder. Yeah, this may have gone up after Ali scored. It was about five hours ago, and I guess the, it was shortly after the match started. But oh, okay. Uh, regardless, um, the but the the question is whether they're historically overvalued. I I actually don't think so. Um, I'm always surprised by how. Uh, you know, Gimlin-eyed the um, the FPL people are when it comes to uh, you know pricing players. I mean, they they really they really are they really just do a great job. Um, it's kind of a, incredible how how infrequently they just totally miss on a player. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of England internationals I mean, that would be big time fantasy assets. Like, okay, I'm thinking of Ross Barkley, Nathaniel Klein, Joe Hart. 
none of those players are, are that expensive. I mean, you know, Barclay started at six six five in the season. Uh, Jordan Henderson started at seven. Yeah, you're Ryan uh, Masons of this world. Yeah, I mean, I I suppose you could argue that Harry, Harry Kane was overpriced this season, but that was uh, that was not due to his England uh, caps. It has to be down to him being a house on fire last. Yeah, season. I mean, how how much lower could you have started a, a Kane this year, given what he did last season? Uh, yeah. Even if he did fall off a little bit at the end. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't think so. I mean, and you look at players like. Um, Wayne, and, Wayne Rooney, maybe maybe you've got a case there. Actually, that's true. Wayne Rooney is, yeah, I think because actually I think this is the second year in a row where Wayne Rooney's basically been an unownable player because he's so expensive. And, were you about uh, to say Pigman? It sounded like you were saying Wayne Rooney is dot dot dot, and I thought you were going to say <laughs> the, a Pigman. Pig <laughs> uh, he he would be the one counterexample. So maybe they have a blind spot when it comes to Rooney. Uh, although certainly Rooney was amazing for years and years and years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I think in general uh, they're pretty fair, and you know even if they, well, I don't think they do. But even if they did, they're certainly doing that for other players as well, right? I mean, you saw you know Kevin De Bruyne came in, and uh, you know he was priced at at you know ten million right off the bat, yeah, uh, which to me felt like it was he was extremely overvalued, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he has uh, you know since proven that to be a you know very accurate assessment. So agreed. Yeah, all eyes are on you, Jack Butland. What are you going to be priced <laughs> next season? Yeah, uh, so yeah, I think um, I, th- I think the pricing in general, uh, it's, it, there are very few complaints about the pricing. I mean, yeah. even even when a player comes good like Jamie Vardy, I don't think you can really blame the pricing too much. I mean, I don't know how much higher you could have priced him at. Yeah. You know. All right, do we have one more question? Uh, yeah, we have one more question. Uh, this one comes from uh, SoccerCaptains.com. Hello, Soccer Captains, our good friends. Our buddy Tim. Well, one friend. We, there's like a silent person who we have not met before. <laughs> Come out of the dark, silent person. <laughs> uh, he says, uh, or one of them says, uh, heard some arguments against doubling up with Ozil and Alexis, citing cannibalization of points. Uh, he says, I don't buy it. What are your thoughts? Uh, I have Alexis and Ozil in my midfield. I guess I do worry Worry about it? I'm not saying I've got it right. You better follow my lead. It's worked out remarkably well for you, all things considered. It has, and the promise is always, and Ozil has been basically picking up the point slack for Sanchez. Um, Which is fine because he's, his ownership isn't nearly as high as Alexis. So yeah, yeah, you no, know, if someone great. like Alexis doesn't do that well, his ownership among the you know top million or whatever is uh, probably something like, you know, 60%. Yeah. That's an immediate relevant case, but historically, if you just want to go back to last season and look at how many people won their leagues on the back of doubling, tripling up on Southampton defense, yep, there's your case right there for doubling up. Do it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I think that um, Alexis is a bit of a concern right now. You know, I, I would have said this even if, even if, uh, um, if uh, Wenger hadn't talked about finally giving him a little bit of rest, but he just, he has these moments where he starts to, he's in the red zone, you know, and just starts to, to fail a little bit. And his work rate's always really high, but he loses that, that he's not quite as lethal. And we talked about those, this a little bit on the last podcast, but I you know, really think that he's a better player with Theo Walcott in the, in the squad. Um, and he can, he can really play off Walcott and, uh, and float into the space that Walcott is, um, that, you know, he's creating with his pace. And it's true. That, you know, so, when Walcott comes back, and I, I don't know when that is going to be, it's still a couple weeks away, uh, he'll be more valuable. And I, I just think he's too, you can't get rid of Sanchez, I think. I mean, I, I, I know that sounds like groupthink, but I mean, he's just such a dangerous player. And the Arsenal's fixtures coming up are pretty good. Um, so 
I don't know. I, I think you can. I, I'm, I'm certainly in favor of doubling up too. I think a lot of people are planning to do that. I think the Paya to Ozil move is is probably the um, uh, the most popular transfer that people are making this week. Everybody done already did it now. Mm-hmm. All right, so there it is. You can always tweet your questions at Hail Cheaters. And now it is time to step into the Game Week 13 Optimizer. All right, let's do this. All right, so, God, it feels like it's been so long since we've actually looked at some upcoming fixtures. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to say so long since we started the podcast. It has been a long time since we've been talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since since yeah since we started the podcast, the U.S. and Trinidad came into a nil nil draw. Oh great! <laughs> yeah, it, I know I know a lot of the uh, England national team fans are beating themselves on the back with, with chains over there about how sort of mediocre their team is. Listen, you don't know how good you have it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. The U.S. Te- the U.S. team just 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 kind of uh, stinks right now. Not a fun time to be a U.S. men's national team fan. <laughs> okay, but it, it is a it is a fun time to be an FPL fan because game week thirteen. And let's uh, let's, let's, let's run it. through these let's run through these fixtures. I don't know if I can hype it anymore at this point. <laughs> All right, first match is Watford hosting Man United. This is the early morning Saturday fixture. Boom! What a firecracker. I know I, I don't even I don't I don't even plan to have a player in this game, and I still know that I'm gonna be up at like seven thirty. I'm just gonna be so ready to watch the matches. I am contemplating burning four points to get Chris Smalling into my lineup. Really? Yes. On, the, on the road to Watford. That that's interesting. Oh yeah, the the high flying Watford. They find a way, Brandon. They find a way. They do find a way, but uh, United. It's no secret that they're they're the best clean sheet uh, money can buy these days. And still, you look at United's run coming up. Okay, Leicester, they know how to score. But then they have West Ham, Bournemouth, Norwich, Stoke, Stoke. And then you get to Chelsea at December 28th. By then, you're probably not going to be banking on clean sheets. Uh, but that is a good enough run for me. And yeah. a way to Watford is not scary enough for me to not start my investment now. And I know you're looking at making some defensive changes. Uh, as yeah. as am I, yeah. That's, that's an interesting. It's an interesting shout. Uh, I think. Um, I actually think Watford will score in this game. Um, although it is the early, it's the early fixture, which is always kind of a tends to be a cagier affair. Um, yeah. I'll predict. A, one, I'll predict a one-one draw. All right, I'm going two-zero uh, in favor of United. That's my clean. That's my official BK Broilers clean sheet of the week. What do you think, Juan Mata? Do you think some points from Mata in this game? Yeah, points from Mata. He's, well, he's he's on pens too. No. Yeah, so you know Nyam is going to take somebody down in the box <laughs> as as he's Nyam to do. He 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 can't Nyam himself. <laughs> all right, God, say he, he can't say he can't say Nyam. <laughs> you cut all this, please. Uh, no, not yeah. Nyam is dangerous. I agree. <laughs> all right, what's next? All right, next match is Chelsea Norwich. Uh, Chelsea hosting Norwich. So this is the match. If you if you you know if you're thinking about bringing in a Chelsea player, you might as well start this week. Uh, I will at least think about bringing in Aspilicueta for this week. Yeah, you and you and him have good vibes from earlier in the season. Well, the He's, thing about Aspilicueta is you can even if even if they let in a goal, you can get assist points from Aspilicueta too. Uh, what so is his price tag right now? He's five point nine. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, he's quite, quite a bit cheaper than Chris Smalling, that's for sure. Yeah, a little more expensive than Kurt Zuma, but I think it's worth it, worth it for the security of his starts and for the assist threat, even though Zuma um, is maybe a little more of a goal threat. And we've seen him on some free kicks, uh, but I, I, I still I, I still prefer Oswald Quetta. 
Yeah, this game is a little bit of a letdown for George R. Russell Martin. He was He's coming off of his missing a match because of a red card mm-hmm. for that nutty handball he had against Man City. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to get Martin back on the field. But here he is, away to Chelsea. <laughs> Not a good matchup for Norwich. I still don't have a beat on this Norwich team. 12 weeks into the season, I I don't know how they won that game at home to Swansea. It, it, I mean, they're they're hanging around. You know, I mean, they've got yeah. they've got they've got 12 points through 12. Um, so if they if they keep up that if they finish with with 38 points, that that is almost certainly going to be enough to stay up this year. Yeah, and I think they have just enough. And by the way, I didn't talk about this in the last podcast. Dia Mercy Mubakani, my friend Mubakani, once again getting it done. Dude. And I I know that you're excited about this as much as I am. Who's having a Vardy party? Mo Bacani's having a Vardy party. Two goals and one assist from Day of Mercy. 5.7. Can we, can we, can we say hashtag Lord have Day of Mercy? It, that was only in 23 minutes, too. I mean, this guy, he is he is getting it done. I wouldn't be surprised if Day of Mercy Mubakani was priced at 12 by the end of the season. That's incredible. What, does he play for the England national team? <laughs> All right, what's uh, next? All right, so we we I, like a two nothing Chelsea win seems about right here. Yeah, I, I'd go along with you there. Yeah, but who knows who the goal scorer? Actually, I'm going to go two one Norwich scores. One. Okay, uh, next match is Everton Aston Villa. Everton hosting Aston Villa feels like a Everton has been pretty good at beating up the teams that are worse than them this year. I think this is an easy win for Everton. I'm going to predict a three one Everton win. Yeah, I, I would keep ag- a lot of clean sheets right now. Yeah, I would agree. They miss Jaggy Elka in the back. The defense stones isn't really able to do it all himself. Mm-hmm. And this is also a, a derby amongst American goalkeepers, Guzan versus Howard. And both of them have had, yeah. Howard's a good, been a good goalkeeper versus a bad goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, it's true, <laughs> but Howard is no stranger to the the one off howler in any given game. It's true. It was promising to see uh, to see Aston Villa play so much better with uh, Remy Gard as their manager. Uh, I cannot believe they they held that that Man City match to a nil nil draw. I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you watched the match or something. I did watch the game highlights from it. I mean, man, it seems like man, you or Man City really should have won that game. They should. I mean, De Bruyne missed a sitter. He tried to actually, um, it was a tough ball for him to wrap his foot around. He had to sort of back heel it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could see he was just so beside himself that he missed it. Yeah. Um, City really should have had a, a hat full of goals. And then okay, it's, it's, the new, it's the classic new manager bounce, though. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But but hey, that's that's why you have him, right? I mean, picking up a point against Man City for a team like that is yes, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge. But would you consider captaining Lukaku here in this game? I think so. Um, I I don't think that the nil nil draw at home to Man City is enough of a data point for me to be like, oh, that <laughs> defense is is has completely tightened up. Yeah, yeah, nothing to worry about there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I think uh, yeah. I think Lukaku is a pretty pretty good captain choice this week. Uh, next next match is uh, Newcastle at home to Leicester. All right, God, another weird captaincy decision that we have to make here because Mares and Vardy come again coming up against this garbage Newcastle team. Vardy to me seems like the best captain choice this week. Uh, not only because he didn't play in the internationals, but also because he is. Going for the the go the record, uh, yeah. you know, the the ten scoring ten games in a row. He's certainly he's currently tied for the record, uh, and you know that everything is going to be fed through him. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna be trying their asses off to get him a goal in that game. Yeah, I mean, Mara's handing off that pen- penalty to him lets you know that a the fans are behind Vardy and b the whole team is behind him. 
Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, yeah, Mara's and Vardy are both interesting uh, options in this game week. Um, but I think that uh, that Vardy is the, the the clear favorite here. I think. Um, so I have another difficult uh, goalkeeper dilemma on my hands. You got, uh, I've, have I've you sp- not learned your lesson yet? I know. I think I'm just going to start Butland. Uh, there's. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh, great! Uh, so everyone listening out there, that translates to start start Cashper Schmeichel on your team. <laughs> I mean, certainly Schmeichel at Newcastle it seems like a better a better goalkeeping selection than. Than uh, than Butlin at Southampton. You have, but. Okay, you have keep, both keepers are away, right? So right. here I'm less interested. If I'm you, I'm less interested in, in, in a clean sheet. In a clean sheet, I'm more interested in save points. Yeah, I. I so I, who, I, who do you back there? I, I Pe- currently Pele, have. Yeah, I currently have Butlin starting. I will say. Yeah, yeah, I think Pele is going to get chances, and you know he's not like a class finisher. He'll probably put at least three or four directly at Butland. Yeah, it's tempting just to make a goalkeeper transfer. I mean, I, I I think that goalkeeper transfers are actually something you should be considering more often now, uh, given that the second wild card can be played at any time in the second half of the season. Yeah. You know, in, in previous seasons, that is not a move you'd want to make because you'd always say, well, let me just get to January, you know, and then once I'm in January, I can look at the next, you know, 16 weeks or whatever, and I can find two goalkeepers that, that I can basically just rotate the rest of the season. Uh but now, I mean, I may not play my wild card until like the thirty fourth week, you know, or, or later. Um, and so you can let it roll I, over with your triple captain. Yeah, you can roll it over. Uh, so I think that uh, it's actually probably worth it. I mean, you you made a goalkeeper transfer a couple weeks ago. I think a pretty good one, actually. Yeah, I got rid of Fabianski, which that was some sort of weird uh, plot on my part to play a bench boost uh-huh. with, with two goalkeepers. Uh huh. Um, and I brought in uh, Hennessy at 3.9, so yeah. I, I made money. Great pickup, yeah. Someone you might consider starting this week, too, I would think. Uh, yeah, I have debated that. God, that mm-hmm. is a tough one. Uh, bench a heavy hitter like Joe Hart in favor of uh, Hennessy, but it does make sense. Crystal Palace is home. Yeah, uh, we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We got, yeah. Let's run through these fixtures. Yeah, we're okay. already we're already talking about the uh, Butland question. So Southampton <laughs> Stoke, the Butland question. Is that like yeah. the the next Bourne Jason Bourne movie? I'm a little worried about uh, whether Mane will play in this game. I, I think he'll play, but he did play today uh, for Senegal, and uh, it didn't actually happen the last international break. But in, in, in many previous international breaks, Sadio Mane only got like a 24 minute run in. Yeah. Uh, he did. I think he scored in the first, um, the first African, uh, the African, um, World Cup the World Cup qualifier. Yeah. So I mean, he, you know, he he's played well. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. You know, he's I a bet he starts. Like, yeah, I bet yeah, he starts. Yeah. So I think um, interesting match. Uh, I do think that Southampton will win. I don't know that they'll keep a clean sheet in this game. Um, yeah, oh, this is actually probably uh, one of the better clean sheet opportunities this week. Yeah. Should we say this is the Jonathan Franzen, uh, author of Purity's Pure Watch of the Week? Maybe. I, I would like to watch more Stoke this year. I have not watched a lot so far. Yeah. Yeah. They're on the rise. The rise of Stoke. The rise of Stoke. I would agree with you. I would say uh, 2-1 or a 3-1 victory for Southampton here. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right. Swansea, Bournemouth. Interesting matchup for sure. Uh, Swansea um, in a tailspin and Bournemouth in desperate need of a result. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that Swansea gets their win. I think I think they have a nice clean two 0 win. I think that uh, I think that Gomis finally scores after uh, 
after a long uh, a long period of uh, a drought, some might call miserable it. returns. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't doubt that. And yet another matchup where I'm loath to get rid of Andre Ayew, even though I have no way to get him onto my team. Yeah, into my starting eleven. It's a t- it's a tough spot. I mean, I think I'd rather have Ayew at home to Bournemouth than even Pele at Stoke. That, that's how much. That's how excited I am about Ayew this game week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it give, you're giving me something to think about. Uh, that brings us to uh, the last 3 p.m. fixture, which is West Brom Arsenal. Okay. Um, <laughs> I there there are a lot of cliche things we could say about this matchup. I suppose Tony Pulis is going to keep it tight, but Arsenal is uh, <laughs> on a good run of form. Right. But yeah, honestly, this is this is a it. classic game in which Arsenal could not show up. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think, you know, we'll see if Bellerin is healthy. I think we still don't know yet. Uh, if Bellerin is healthy and plays, I think this is a 2-0 two, two Arsenal win. If Bellerin doesn't play, then um, I still think Arsenal win. Maybe it's more like 2-1. Two, 2-1 one. Two, one or 3-2 or something like that. So do you think it's worth captaining any Arsenal assets in this game, mainly Sanchez or Ozil? I really wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, I, I just yeah, it's, it's too much it's, of a concern about a, the, a Pulis team. I mean, like you said, it is cliche, but it's but it's a cliche for a reason. Uh, they're a tough team to play at home. Yeah, and it's uh, coming out of the international break and away yeah. fixture against a um, a brick wall. It's it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, I agree. All right, that brings us to the the last game on Saturday: Man City hosting Liverpool. I'm surprised this wasn't our pure watch of the week. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, we jumped the gun a little bit. Very <laughs> interesting match. Hard game, hard match to predict because there's a lot of things that are still up in the air. We don't know if uh, Guerra is going to play. We don't know if uh, if Boney is fully healthy. We don't know if Jordan Henderson is in yet. Uh, even Benteke, I think he's finally fully healthy, but um, we'll see. Sacco is now out for Liverpool for two or three months, which is a big blow. It is a big blow. So wow. I yeah I think this this game this game can go a lot of different ways I I don't think that Man City is going to blow Liverpool out of the water in this game no uh, but I, uh, I do think they'll win yeah I have a Nathaniel Klein question in this game because I yeah I have little faith in Liverpool's defense here but I'm sticking with Klein for one more week because if you look at Liverpool's run after they have they're home to Swansea away to Newcastle then they host West Brom. Then they're away to Watford, and yeah. and then host Leicester. So um, it's worth sticking with Liverpool defensive assets, though they almost definitely won't come good in this matchup. I would I would love to hear that um, Aguero was back uh, because I could I could bring him in in two moves and I'd be happy to burn four points to do it. Uh, especially because bringing him back this game week would actually be a bit of a differential. I know that in. Two or three weeks, uh, everyone will have him again, assuming that he's he's back and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so so we'll see. Uh, this one, I feel like this one has to have like an incomplete grade to it because it's just it's too hard to tell right now, given all the variables. What's it going to take for you to get Aguero back this game week? What what would satisfy you enough in the media to have well, you do that? Well, I would just need Pellegrini to say in a press conference that he was that he was healthy and ready to go. I mean, something or something close to it. I I don't know that we'll have that concrete of an answer, which means I, I may not bring him in this week. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious yeah. to see how many people bring him in for this game week. I mean, yeah, what percentage I, of managers? Maybe maybe I'm thinking 
10% of managers? Well, I would not. I, the thing is, do you want to burn four points to bring him in when he may not start? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a tough, it's a, it's a, it's a big ask. And it's not like they're, you know, if they were home to Bournemouth, then you might think to yourself, sure, I'll bring him in. Because even if he doesn't come on until the 72nd minute, uh, he could score two goals in 20 minutes. Uh, but Liverpool is a, you know, the defense looks a lot better under Klopp. And, you know, it's, they, this game could be another nil-nil draw like Man City played against, uh, um, against uh, Man U a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I, I would be sweating a clean sheet for my man Joe Hart in this game, too. <clears throat> um, particularly if Benteke is fit and plays a full 90 up front. Yeah. I'd, I'd say Liverpool looked to be good for a goal. I would think so too. I mean, just given how they, how, how you know, how strong they looked against uh, Chelsea, and Coutinho does love a wonder strike against Man City. That's true. Although Liverpool also just lost at home to Crystal Palace, so I, I don't think we really know what we're what we're dealing with yet with that team. All <laughs> right, that brings Liverpool us, is the ultimate although team this season. They kind of are. Uh, that brings us to the Sunday fixture. Only one fixture on Sunday this week. It's Spurs at West Ham. Uh, poor, poor West Ham. Uh, no Payet for a few months after uh, after uh, Everton uh, knocked him out of the picture. Yeah, did his ankle. Did his ankle in. Uh, I think that Spurs win this game. I think that Harry Kane scores in this game. Uh, I think this is a fairly routine win as West Ham sort of. I know that West Ham have this reputation for their, their counterattacking style when they play a top team, but uh, I just think that Pyatt's going to be too much. Too much. I think that they will they will reform and be okay in a couple weeks, but I, I think it's going to take a while to learn how to how yeah, to play. That the player was really directing like their Alex offense. Song to get back in their lineup, but yeah. I do think yeah, Pyatt is such a big piece holding that team together. I would be worried about my West Ham defensive assets if I had any. Mm-hmm. Um, you just worry. I mean, you you see this with Man City whenever Silva goes down for a few weeks. It just it takes them a week to 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 remember how to play without that without their kind of their their, their security the blanket. Them. Yeah, exactly. Like when uh, the U.S. tries to play without Kyle Beckerman. Yeah, exactly. Sorry, so that brings us to the final <laughs> Beckerman. That brings us to the <laughs> final up. final fixture. It's on Monday. Uh, Crystal Palace Sunderland. Uh, so I have been debating all week uh, what I think is a bit of a differential punt. Um, it, to me, as good a differential punt as bringing in uh, Jerry D uh, on Everton, which is to um, I have not made my, I have not made my Pyatt transfer yet um, because my team is so uh, so riddled with injuries that I really had to make sure that no one was down right. uh, that no one went down the national break before I made any transfers. So I am moving. Because I might have had to make even more, and it would have it would have made the calculus a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really debating bringing in Johan Kabai for this match because Crystal Palace, their next two home matches are Sunderland and Newcastle back to back, and uh, Kabai is very affordable. And from the money that I would get from downgrading um, Piat to Kabai, I would suddenly have enough money to turn either of any of my eight million strikers into Aguero without making any more moves. Say what? That's true. I've got uh, four million in the bank right now, and I'd get another one point five million or so uh, if I went to goodbye. Why so aren't I, you getting Scott Dan in for this game? That's what I want to know. Yeah, Dan's an interesting option too. Uh, I I may I may burn four to bring in another defender. I, I just hate doing that. Uh, but if I, if I see it as a long term move, then maybe it's it's worth it. Yeah, Crystal Palace, such a funny team. Um, they have just already had weird ups and downs, at least just yeah. from a fantasy perspective. They seem like a pretty solid team in the league, but yeah, um, great, great win against uh, you know at, at at Anfield, a very improbable win. Yeah, 
Uh, I don't see any any reason for me to invest in Crystal Palace right now. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to know which player to get. That's that's really the problem. Yeah, I mean, outside of the defenders who are, um, I think Dan or or even um, um, the other defender, uh, Joel Ward. Yeah, Joel Ward. Yeah, I think he's down to like four point yeah. four. Yeah, and he he's good for a goal too. That Joel Ward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would I would fear playing a head to head if you got had got Kabai in for this game. I'm just I'm a little I'm hesitating a little bit, but yeah, I do like. Yeah, the call I can that, understand that. That uh, Crystal Palace is. I, I mean, if Lee Cattermall is is playing for Sunderland here, he's going to take somebody down in the box. <laughs> yeah, one would think, right? If he's sizing up uh, Wilfred Zaha running at him into the penalty area, Cattermall's going to that's gonna a right that. mm-hmm. And there it is. There's your penalty. There's your Kabai goal. And there's your podcast, Brandon. That brings us to the end. <laughs> that is our podcast. My God, you said to me earlier today, oh, I, don't know, I would, wouldn't mind if it was a 40-minute podcast, and I laughed in your face. You did. I but I think it was a good three one. Three times that. I think it was a good one. We were bringing back all of our cheaters uh, from the international break. Um, we're excited to see how you do in the Hail Cheaters mini league um, in game week 13. And, of course, if you're listening for the first time, it's not too late to join our mini league you can get the league code at our Twitter page or go to the league page on our website at alwayscheating.com. All right, Brandon. Well, I will talk to you uh, very soon, I'm sure. Yeah, Poku forever. Hail cheaters. Subscribe mm-hmm. on iTunes. Uh, Brandon, I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.